I, I sometimes don't know how I did it. Yeah. Like what, what, what was inside of me that just kept me going for that long. Right. Mm-hmm. Hello everyone. And welcome here into episode number nine of the Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast. My name is Brian Pyatt, and I am your host, and so glad that you are here with us today. On the episode, we are talking with Chrissy Hodges, who you heard from there at the top of this episode. And we are going to be hearing about her experience with obsessive compulsive disorder. And this is something that I know I am am deeply passionate about because obsessive compulsive disorder is deeply, deeply misunderstood and, and misrepresented. In, in many cases out there in the world. And I want to I want to start this episode by by just giving kind of a, a brief explanation of what OCD is. And I'm going to preface this by saying that I am not a therapist. Um, I don't pretend to be a licensed therapist. I am. However, somebody who lives with OCD and have done a lot of advocacy in this area. And this is how I like to to describe it to people. So a a lot of times people think of OCD as as just hand-washing and being overly consumed with germs. And... Yes, that is a very, very real experience for many people who struggle with OCD, and this is not to diminish that. There's also a number of other ways that that OCD manifests and surfaces for people that we don't talk about enough. And so um, here's how I explain it. A lot of people, most of us, all of us, experience a number of different thoughts that pass through our mind every single day. Thoughts that are all over the board. Some of them kind of weird thoughts, just, you know, standard thoughts, just going about our day. A ton of them flow through our mind. Somebody who who does not have OCD is generally just going to have those thoughts kind of pop up into our mind, might have a moment of kind of noticing that they're there. Some thoughts might be like, whoa, why am I thinking that? That's kind of interesting. But then the pat, the the, the thought flows through, passes through, and, and that person is generally able to kind of go on with their day. Somebody who has OCD, generally that, that thought will, will pop up and it gets stuck. Instead of just flowing through and moving on with, your day, this this person tends to get very, very fixated on that thought. And we spend hours ruminating and trying to figure out the thought. Why am I having the thought? What does that thought say about me? I need to get to the bottom of it before I can move forward. 
and it becomes a very endless cycle. And what you're going to hear a lot of talk about in this episode today is, is a term that is used by some in the OCD community called pure OCD. And this is used to describe people with OCD who experience intrusive thoughts with mental compulsions. So the compulsions that are kind of aimed at trying to alleviate anxiety are usually not visible. They look like rumination, avoidance, seeking reassurance, mentally reviewing, checking. So I just wanted to, to kind of explain that right at the top, that, that for many people who struggle with OCD, they are consumed with intrusive thoughts that tend to be very, very um, kind of scary in nature, very shame-based, really, really hard things to talk about openly. Um, and then they're wrapped up in this endless cycle of trying to figure them out and get to the bottom of them. And that is, that is certainly a, a, a big piece of, of Chrissy's story. Um, I'm also just going to mention very briefly that, um, I want to give you a heads up that in this episode, we talk about some pretty intense things because that is the nature of OCD, the, the thoughts that, that tend to latch and, and get stuck in our minds tend to be things that can be a little bit intense to hear, especially if you're not used to these conversations around OCD. So I just want to put that out there, give you a little bit of a heads up. Um, we are talking about these things and going in detail about these things because there are a lot of people out there who are struggling with this in silence. And it's very, very important to have these conversations to let other people know that they are not alone. Well, Chrissy Hodges is a mental health advocate a public speaker focused on obsessive compulsive disorder. She is a peer support specialist, the founder of OCD Peers, also founder of OCD Game Changers. She is also the author of the book Pure O, The Invisible Side of Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. Well, thank you, my friend, for, for joining the podcast. You're welcome. I'm so glad to be here and I will support anything that you do advocacy-wise because mm. your message is so important. Chrissy says she first experienced a major episode with OCD when she was just eight years old. She was at school when someone in her class threw up, which caused an immense amount of anxiety for her. And this began a deep fear of vomiting and a never-ending process of trying to figure out what in the world that she had just experienced. Someone vomiting in school, followed by an intense, anxious reaction to it. And one thing to note, kind of for the context of this story, Chrissy's dad was a pastor while she was growing up. The only thing that you have when you're that young is your worldview. So my worldview mm -hmm. told me that everything was a direct result of religion. And... So in trying to make sense of what is this horrible feeling I'm having, anxiety, and these awful thoughts and fears now of vomiting, OCD, 
you know, mm-hmm. there's only one explanation of why this is happening to me. And it must be because I have done something wrong and mm. God is punishing me. I was terrified that I, I was terrified of what had happened, but there was something inside of me that said, do not tell anyone, you know, that that's, this is where the shame comes in. So I had a lot of shame. Well, if I did do something wrong, or if I am a horrible person, I am get punished by a higher power. I don't want anyone to know. And so my only retaliation is let's try to be the best person that we can. So this won't happen again. And Mm -hmm. again, as delusional as that sounds, we are talking about an eight year old brain that hasn't fully formed in the logic capacity. So I went with this. Mm. Mom came and picked me up from school. I wanted to tell her and I just didn't. So I kept it hidden. And every single day from that moment on, my day was filled with compulsions And so I just lived every single day kind of a slave to compulsions, not knowing what was going on. I truly believed this was punishment from God when things got bad. When Chrissy says compulsions, she's talking about things like avoiding any place where she knows someone had thrown up to try to avoid the anxiety, avoiding people she knew had thrown up before in the classroom, and then ruminating about whether or not certain food might make her sick. A term that you're going to hear her mention moving forward is religious scrupulosity. And I want to I want you to know what this is. So, it is defined by the International OCD Foundation as a form of OCD involving religious or moral obsessions. So, people become overly concerned that something they thought or did might be a sin or other violation of religious or moral doctrine. As Chrissy moved forward, OCD did what it tends to do best, latching on to a number of different thoughts, causing an immense amount of anxiety, until it landed on a thought that latched on and became all-consuming. So I had a few weird, bizarre thoughts as a teenager, you know, that I had a a fear about harming kids at one point. I had gone on vacation. There were two little kids. One of them got hit with a bear and her face was hilarious when she started to scream. It was like all scrunched up before she started screaming. And then my brain was like, Ooh, maybe you want to hurt kids so you could see their face before you beat them like, or kill them. (laughs) So I remember panicking really bad and feeling kind of that religious scrupulosity coming in again. Like what kind of person thinks these things you've got to pray and repent I had intrusive thoughts about demon possession, definitely health stuff as I was getting into being a teenager, you know, do I have cancer? Is I have a bump on my lip? Is it herpes? Blah, blah. And then when I was, so I'd adopted this philosophy in my brain, as long as I am the best person and Christian I could be, you know, God won't give me these bad thoughts. And so every single day I, I was, I was as straight laced as you could get. I mean, well, normal teenagers are smoking and not normal, but you know, like maybe I'm going to do that. I'm going to sneak out. I'm going to make out with somebody. I was like, no way. Cause if I do that, God's going to punish me. And when I was 14, I was at over at a friend's house and we started talking about sex, which of course I was like, this is off limits. I should not be talking about this. And, And I started to feel panicky. But man, she didn't care. She's just like, anyway, let me tell you all about. And then I felt very angry. I felt, why is it that everyone, this is the first time I ever had this inclination that maybe something was wrong with me. Because I thought, 
why is it that everyone else can do whatever they want? And they're not afraid of being punished by God. And my brain almost went to, uh oh, is something wrong? And the moment that that happened, you know, a new intrusive thought um, came up. And that was, so I went into, like, I was spending the night with her and I went into the, the bedroom I was staying. And I just found myself getting pissed. And, and then, of course, my brain went to thinking about my friend having sex, which I n- didn't necessarily want to, but sometimes you just can't stop it. Mm-hmm. And then I had this intrusive thought of, well, what if I'm attracted to her boyfriend? Cause he was hot and I kind of was attracted to him. And then I was like, no, that's wrong. And you shouldn't do that. And then I had this vision of her having sex. And I thought, oh my God, what if you're attracted to her? Mm-hmm. And that's when I, I like my brain, I remember it was almost like someone like lit a match to the yeah. base of my brain and it blew up. Like on, it was on fire. Mm-hmm. And my brain was like, or my, like my intrusive thoughts were, well, what if you're gay? And I, I remember dropping to my knees in the room. Like, I remember this very vividly, of course, and then like putting my hands together and starting the prayer rituals. And again, I also want to make it clear because it's very confusing for people sometimes when you talk about sexual orientation, OCD, that you may think what I'm saying is being gay is wrong. That's not this, like the same way I don't think throwing up is wrong. Now, I want to hop in here and just reiterate and be very, very clear with you about what Chrissy is saying. This is not at all saying that being gay is wrong. For people with OCD, our minds latch on to certain things and become entirely consumed with trying to figure them out, trying to get to the bottom of them. And for Chrissy, trying to figure out her sexuality is what her mind latched on to. And just kind of some context here, it is actually common for people who are gay, who do identify as gay, who also have OCD, to have the thought, maybe I'm actually straight, and then becoming fixated on trying to figure out if they mistakenly came out of the closet. So this podcast, this community is a safe space for anyone who identifies within the LGBTQ plus community. I myself identify within this community and it's very important to note that OCD can latch on to someone's sexuality as was the case here with Chrissy. I was living this weird life where I knew like you know I was just like any you know teenager I had crushes all the time I loved being in the little butterfly stage or whatever but I always had it was this bizarre phenomenon of like I would have a crush on someone and then my brain would tell me, oh, but you really don't have the crush on this person because you're really gay. And I'd be like, I'm not though. And then I would go, well, am I? Because why would I think this if I wasn't? But, and then I would like ruminate in a way of imagining myself with women and I would feel this cringe, you know, no offense to women, but I don't want to be with y'all. And so (laughs) I would, you know, I would feel that feeling. It would make me feel good because then it was like, look, now I can, I know that I, I know that this is not what I want, but then it would be like, but if you've questioned it once, that must mean, so this is how OCD works. And I would, it would be, this is why it's so bizarrely ego dystonic. (laughs) You know, I fell in love, you know, a couple times during my teenage years, once with a, you know, a boyfriend pretty shortly after that. And then, you know, kind of my, my teenage romance, you know, I fell in love with someone for a a couple of years and I would be like, 
I am in love with this person, but mm. am I gay? <laughs> yeah. There was it, always it, that it, questioning. It didn't make sense to me. Everything, I, everything about me wanted him and, and being with men. But then there was always this part of me over here that I thought at some point, is that going to surface? And I'm going to mm. realize I lived a lie. And this is what mm. people struggle with when they have sexual intrusive thoughts. You know, am I living a lie? Am I going to find out that I am something I'm not? Am I lying to people? This is where the shame comes, especially when you're silent about it. And so I lived like this until I was 20 years old. So all OCD, almost a daily torture with religious scrupulosity looming over it, you know, Mm -hmm. pulling the strings like I was a puppet for 12 fucking years. Which is unfortunately not uncommon for people living with OCD. I do not have the official stats in front of me, but I have heard it quoted and used many, many times that on average, from the first symptom of OCD until someone actually gets proper treatment for what they're experiencing is somewhere between like 12 and 15 years. It's a long time that people suffer not having any idea of what they're going through. With Chrissy's mental health severely deteriorating, she made the trip home for Christmas during her junior year of college. And that begins a very, very pivotal part of her story. I, this is how delusional things can get. And I'm surprised I didn't get diagnosed with psychosis actually, but I believed that I had a direct communication with God. And so I told God to give me a sign because I was very suicidal, but I believed that suicide was wrong back then. So mm-hmm. then t- more added shame on top of everything. Like I really wanted to die by suicide, but I didn't know how and I was scared. Um, and so I told God, I was like, okay, give me a sign. In the next 24 hours, I was going home. Like I was about to get in the car and drive home from college. If you want me to stay, stay in this and just receive all this punishment you're giving me and we'll get through this, then let me get, you know, give me a sign one way or the other, right? Mm-hmm. Either that I should keep fighting or that this is, this is the way it's going to be. Oh God, Brian. So I go home <laughs> and I walk in the house, like dread, I, you know, I hadn't slept. Of course, I'm trying to put this facade on for my mom, you know, so she didn't know anything wrong. It was wrong. And the, I'm in my bedroom, like just miserable. And she says, come in, let's watch 2020. And she get like she gets me my food or whatever, and I sit down, like uh, uh, I sit down, and all of a sudden it's like our 2020 special for the night: lesbians in their fifties. Oh my gosh! Oh <laughs> I mean, it's gosh. funny now. <laughs> it is funny now, right? But very much not funny, I would imagine, in that moment. I mean, I and, and if if you have OCD, I went directly into the OCD haze. The yeah. world gets small. You can't move. You're just sitting there focusing. You're in just a full state of panic. I mean, like your fight, flight, freeze is activated. And I just sat there and, and I was like, this is the sign. You know, long story short, I it took me a few days um, and I finally, I did attempt suicide. And, and one of the, you know, what, 
another like kind of delusional piece of it was again, like when you're so entrenched in compulsions, it was the night that I was going to do it. I, I like I sat down religious scrupulously, I prayed to God and said, if you want me to kill myself, wake me up before my alarm goes off. I mean, come on, Chrissy. Mm. Like, of course yeah. I'm going to wake up before my alarm goes off, but in your brain, you don't yeah. think about these things. I'm looking for anything like any yeah. sort of, of, of glimmer of hope. Right. Yeah. And, and my hope was wrapped up in God, which I was not having conversations with. Yeah. <laughs> I was having conversations with a mental illness. Early that morning, Chrissy attempted to take her own life. We're not going to go into details about her suicide attempt on here, but she was eventually taken to a psychiatric hospital after over 10 years of struggling alone. And I actually got the diagnosis of OCD, which is a miracle in 1997, right? I mean, a miracle. I just want to like acknowledge for a moment, like hearing you describe everything that you went through up until the point of getting a diagnosis is unbelievable. I mean, isn't that unbelievable to like hear, like it really actually makes my eyes water up a little bit just to think about like all that you were going through for so many years, not having any idea of what was going on. And yet here you are, like you're still here. That's, it's, it's pretty incredible. I, I mean, I sometimes, it makes me a little teary too. Like, yeah. I, I sometimes don't know how I did it. Yeah. Like what, what, what was inside of me that just kept me going for that long. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I say that in a, in a way to say that all of us, all the people I, being so honored to meet so many people, the degree of resilience and strength people have with OCD, because my story is not an anomaly. I cannot, I, I like, there's just something about us. We find it somehow we search mm-hmm. for it. And, and we, we, we suffer really bad for a long time before we get to the spot where we, can go, I'm okay. Chrissy finally had a diagnosis and more of an understanding of what was going on with her. After landing in another really tough spot with her mental health, Chrissy eventually found Dr. Stephen Philipson in New York City. Dr. Philipson is considered really a pioneer in the world of OCD, officially coining the term pure O, describing people struggling with intrusive thoughts and mental compulsions that we've told you about. His article, Thinking the Unthinkable, has become a resource for many people who until that point had really been struggling in silence. Chrissy came across him after searching for help on the internet. It was AOL dial-up. I spent three days in the computer lab, like with my book up against the computer so no one could see me typing in, like, sexual intrusive thoughts, am I gay, OCD? (laughs) All these weird combinations. Having to do that in a public library. Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. Yeah, talk about a different time. And I finally found, and the first thing I read was thinking the unthinkable. And it was like, Bob is having sex with his wife. And as soon as he orgasmed, his friend Fred popped into his head. And I was like, oh my God, this is my people. And I 
wrote to Philipson and he did phone therapy with me. I mean, pretty immediately. And I, it, I, it was successful. And I, yep. it was, it was a miracle that I got the treatment I can. And I, I just want to add really quick. I recognize how privileged I am. Like I found a therapist who could do phone sessions, who chose to do phone sessions and we could afford him and, and it worked. Chrissy has gone on to be an absolute force in the world of OCD advocacy. She launched OCD Game Changers and OCD Peers, creating community for those living with OCD. She is a peer support specialist working one-on-one with people going through treatment for OCD and talking very, very openly about the kind of intrusive thoughts that many, many people with OCD struggle with. Chrissy is using her story to let others know they are not alone. We lose our lives to OCD at times. We do. (laughs) And it's not fair. Yeah. And it's okay to believe that. It's okay to identify I was a victim of something that took a lot away from me because there's empowerment in, in, in that shared struggle that we have with other people in our ability to heal and move forward and then give back to others. Next week on the podcast, part two of this conversation with Chrissy, we are going to talk more about some of the very common intrusive thoughts that OCD tends to latch onto. We'll dive into that further. We're also going to talk more about getting treatment for OCD. It is very, very, very important that people who are living with OCD are being treated by a therapist who understands and utilizes in some form exposure and response prevention. I want to thank Chrissy for for joining us on this episode as someone who lives with OCD and and knows what it's like to experience these intrusive thoughts and be very, very consumed by them. People like Chrissy sharing their story, having the courage to be very, very open about their experience is deeply, deeply important because there is a lot of shame that can come along with living with OCD. And if that is you out there listening to this podcast, I I just want you to know that um, you are not alone. There There is nothing wrong with you. I know that can be a very, very common thing that our brain tries to convince us. I know that, once again, from firsthand experience. And I also want you to hear that there's a lot of help and that you can live a beautiful, fulfilling life with OCD. And as always, my friends, I want you to take what serves you from this conversation and leave the rest. Be gentle with yourselves and we'll talk soon.